what are my core values and not a hard exercise, but they came down to five things. And for me, they're freedom, well-being, abundance, growth, and time. And that became kind of the foundation upon which I started building my vision, my goals, and my habits. The vision is the picture of the life that I want. And then every goal that I write needs to facilitate the vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Moeller Real Estate and Business Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Moeller, and on this podcast, we will be interviewing guests that have made their mark in real estate, in business, and in other areas of life. Listening to podcasts myself has helped me in so many different ways and continues to do so. If you're a real estate investor or an entrepreneur or aspiring to be either, or just someone that wants to learn, you've come to the right place. An easy way to have an impact is to share this episode with friends or family, provide a review, or just spread the word. We greatly appreciate it, and now let's get to the show. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mola Real Estate and Business Podcast. I am very excited for today's guest, Drew Wired from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Drew, how are you doing today? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing great. Very excited to have you on. Uh, really quick introduction on Drew. Uh, so first, Drew is a pharmacist by trade, although we were just talking before the show, and I believe he has burned his uh, pharmacy license. We'll talk about that more. Um, but Drew started with residential housing in, in his evenings and weekends, shifted over time to larger multifamily real estate. He is now focused on two different areas. One is triple net lease real estate. So we'll talk more about that, commercial, industrial, whatever that might be, and business acquisitions where he's really converting um, or he's buying businesses and converting them and turning that into cash flow. So really a lot to get into today. By the way, there's also some other topics I'm sure we'll get into throughout the episode. So uh, good stuff, Drew. Drew, first, why don't we talk about, like, there's a lot going on, but you have a phrase called burn the ships. And it's in the video. So this, we are on YouTube as well for everybody, but it says that on your banner behind you. And I, just from knowing your backstory a little bit and coming from pharmacy, maybe mix in your story with burn the ships and what that all means. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I was um, a pharmacist by trade. I've been in leadership in the hospital for years and years and years and um, was a really great job. If you wanted a job, I really enjoyed doing it for a long time. Um, we'll talk about my investing on the side while I was doing that. But perfect. At, at some point, investing got big enough where if I wanted to walk away from the W-2 job that I could. And so as I was approaching that season, like kind of mentally getting my mindset where it needed to be and garnering support from my friends and family and all that, um, burn the ships was kind of my mantra for the year. And the general idea is that, um, you know, when Cortez came over and they had a mission to do in the new world, right, his his crew got very scared, very jittery. They wanted to get on the ships and go home. And he ordered them to burn the ships because there's no going back. Uh, from where you came from, because we were here for a mission that was bigger than the running away. And so for me, it was just, it was really a commitment um, in that season to say, if I'm going to quit, I'm going to go in 
all like completely with everything I have towards the investing and the business acquisitions and the things we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, and it's just kind of been a, a mantra that I've kept in place. Like if I'm going to do something, we're going to go all in on it. And, not and that, it. so you created that a couple of years ago when you were thinking about this major shift from pharmacy and real estate to just focusing on real estate and business. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. But that, it sounds like that's now this mantra that means more to you and you apply it in your decision making or other areas of life to bring focus perhaps. Yeah, I, it was the slogan for 2022. That's the year I retired. So like it was when I do my journaling, when I would write stuff down, like I'd make Facebook posts and everything was just burn the ships and this, that and the other. Um, you know, so now I, you know, it's on the banner behind me. A buddy got it for me once he had seen it on social media and all that. Nice. And so now it's just kind of a, a way of life. Like if I'm going to lean into something that's scary or takes me down a new path, um, it's not that it's bad to have a plan B in, in some scenarios, but I'm not a big plan B kind of guy, like commit to where you're going. Don't give yourself an out and you'll, you'll figure out plan A. Well, I want to stay on the leaving the W2, by the way, it sounds like a very good, very secure, probably pr pretty solid paying W2 job. And I can relate to some of this, by the way, our timeframes are somewhat similar too. Yeah. Um, what was that process like in what, what did you think it was going to be like to leave your job and what was it really like? Like, how did that, sure. how did that process evolve? Yeah. So I think, um, I've always enjoyed the real estate investing and, and all of that. I, I started it to build just kind of a, you know, an extra retirement or something like that. It was never going to be something to let me walk away from the W2, but again, it grew and grew and grew. Um, and as I started building more things for myself and my family and, and kind of this pursuit of freedom, um, everything about the W2 was just in contrast and in conflict to that, um, you know, caps on your earnings and show up at work at this time. And like, it just, if you wanted a job, phenomenal job. Um, but you know, they talk about golden handcuffs where they pay you well, but it's just enough to give up on your dreams. And so like, once I kind of reached that point where there was just conflict day to day, um, it was time, time to make a change. Um, I, I hired a mindset coach, um, which was very, very helpful. Um, I think probably the biggest hurdle I had to get over was um, I was used to having a check every two weeks, whether I worked hard or whether I didn't yep. work hard. And I was going to have to shift to kind of a feast or famine. Like if, if this works, it'll work really well. If it doesn't, you're going to have to find a way to hustle through it. And so that was, I had some fear around some of the comfort that comes with a scheduled paycheck. Yep. Um, that was the last big hurdle. But, and you, you talked about degrees of freedom and all the different things that your your job was against it, other than the perceived freedom of the paycheck every other week and just walking. I mean, that is a big, big step. And I remember going through this process personally and yeah. just thinking of every single issue that might go wrong. Um, and there's a quote from, I think, Mark Twain that says, if everything everything that happened to me or that I thought of happened, like I'm butchering this, but you create so many issues in your head that don't really happen. Basically. So, did you yeah. do that? Um, you know, I didn't, I don't have a lot of anxiety or a lot of fear around too many things. I think I tend to focus more on what could be yep. and, and my internal conflict arises from the fact that I'm not meeting that potential or okay. I'm not leaning into it the way that I should. Um, and that was probably the greater frustration. I really didn't have too many fears 
about leaving other than as the sole breadwinner for my family. Yep. It has to work. And yep. so I, I had some processing to do to, to get ready for that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And honestly, I think whenever you're making big decisions like this, you can think of like, put it in context of risk reward, right? So the risk was still significant. I have to take care of my family. So, um, if I leave this job, what will that be like? Now, obviously you had income build up and assets that you could leverage to protect it. But the reward is what you said exactly, which is the, like the upside is I'm doing what I'm, I'm meant to do what I'm called to do. What I am capable of doing is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it. Awesome. Well, the other thing, um, I guess let's talk about your different income streams. So you have a residential housing portfolio. What, what does that look like, Drew? Yeah. So I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, just Midwest America. Rental properties do really, really well here. Um, you know, this is a cash flow type of market as opposed yep. to an appreciation market. Now, yep. the whole world has appreciated in the last two or three years, sure. but sure. the 10 years before that, you could buy a $100,000 house and 10 years later, it was worth 105. Right. Like it was just steady. Um, so I had never invested for appreciation, just cash flow. And so today that portfolio stands at about 50 doors. It goes up a few, it goes down a few as I reposition, but that's my. Um, that's what puts bread on the table and, and keeps the lights on. And honestly, it's really interesting because on the pre pre-call, we were talking about your portfolio and you just said 50 units so subtly, like it's not a big deal, but that's, you know, first of all, that takes time to build up and then cash flow from that in addition to just, I'm sure that there's, there's probably some debt on it. So principal payoff every single month and yep. a lot of options for equity from that portfolio as well. There, the equity's there now, you know, of course it isn't at the beginning, but yep. with the appreciation we've seen and the pay down, um, it's, it's there. And I, I will say it's been interesting to go through this journey of leaving my W2 because when I first was building them, they all had to be cash flow positive, but I wanted to pay them down quick. So it was more, I was building equity, like it was an equity machine Yep. because I was living off my W2. And then when I pivoted, you know, now it needs to be more of a cash flow machine. And I don't, I'm not as preoccupied with building equity there because now it has to feed me and my family. Yep. Yep. Um, so we, we, you know, some refinances and some repositioning and um, I'm really happy with, you know, I got some good debt before interests went up and all that, but it's, it's been interesting to watch that portfolio evolve over time as my yeah. needs have changed. I, you know, honestly, it's really interesting because just similar situations. And I think for, for those of, for our listeners thinking about single family housing portfolios, what's really interesting is it, it does take time to build up cash flow to a meaningful level, but you can get there. Your equity, like there's a book, Equity Happens. It just kind of happens slowly over time. It's not get rich quick. But when it does happen, it snowballs a little bit and you have all these options. So if you have 50, you know, whether 50 doors or 50 properties, whatever it might, might be, if you need a infusion of cash for whatever reason, you have the option to exercise that equity where it's relatively liquid. So I love single family homes for that reason, but I want to shift to, I think what you're really focused on now. So commercial triple, triple net lease investing. Tell us more about what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in a nutshell, for those who might not know, um, when you get into the commercial space, there can be lots of different types of investments. Maybe that's self-storage buildings, maybe that's retail or office or industrial, you know, commercial kind of encompasses large multifamily, like it's this huge umbrella. So 
for me personally, I'm a big fan and me and my partner are a big fan of um, industrial, mostly warehouse type spaces. So, you know, a building that might be 20,000 square feet, 60,000 square feet, where it's just steel and metal and pretty simple, but someone like we just placed a tenant recently um, that is a carpet vendor. So they have these massive rolls of carpet and they have to go high up into the ceiling on big rollers and such. And um, it's for me, I came to that as opposed to the single family stuff, um, just as a method to start scaling up uh, to, to the next level. And Scaling up is probably a big conversation, but um, triple net investing um, speaks to the type of lease that you put in place. Um, so in a, in a triple net lease, the tenant is responsible for essentially everything, including the taxes, the insurance. They, they call these the nets. Yep. Right? So all I'm really accountable for, for the most part, is usually like the roof. And, yep. and that's about it. Ma the major structural items. Yep. Scale it. What made you want to scale up or make that shift from kind of single family to commercial triple net? Yeah, um, it's probably been a number of things. I think um, I stayed with single family here where I live because it was so easy. It was almost like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, and when it's easy, you just kind of get complacent. You just keep doing it and do it. And I have no regrets about that. But I wish I would have had a mentor once upon a time that would have said, hey, go buy a couple singles then go get some doubles. And then what about an eight plex? What about a 16? What about a 64? You know, like at some point, if I'm going to have 50 doors, it sure, it sure would be nice to have most of them on the same campus with yep. one roof or two or three roofs instead of 50 roofs, yep. you know? So sure. it's a matter of where you want to put your energies. And um, that's one thing that I could have and should have done better is scaling up earlier in my investing journey. Yep. No, that's good stuff. And I, I recall, again, honestly, when we were around maybe 20, I was thinking, am I going to do this 50, 60, 70 more times? Like, how do we how yeah. do we just get to the next level? Is it an eight unit, 16 unit? And I would just tell people, I think a single family, by the way, is a great place. If people are interested in real estate specifically, a great place to start. But don't get too complacent or too comfortable with that. If it's working, keep going. But don't be afraid to go to a double or a quad or an eight unit. And you're just going to learn incrementally as you go if you do that. And even the risks are incrementally larger, but not massive, massive risks. Yeah. Well, and you can tell me if you think this is true, but like everyone told me, do bigger deals, just like add a zero to it. And it's easier. The bigger deals are easier. And that seems crazy to me or it seemed crazy to me, but it has been so unbelievably true. They might have some different things you have to deal with on the way, but less difficult for, for sure. sure. And yes, I heard that over and over again, and I did not believe it until yeah. I did it. And then I was like, I wish I would have started these lar a little bit larger deals earlier. No regrets. I'm happy with where we're at, but for sure, had we started these larger deals, you know, two, three years earlier, you know, that, that could have changed things even more. But uh, yep. Good stuff. And I think I think scaling up in whatever people are doing, it's just important. Like you even talked about this with your W-2 job. I think a lot of times good can be the enemy of great. Single families were going well. It was good. Your job was good. But is it really where I could be or want to go or want to be doing, I think is the question. And if, if the answer is yes, you want to do that, I think that's great. But if you think there's more or you're aspiring to do more or bigger things, 
I think it's when you need to put yourself in challenging situations sometimes without going too far just to stretch yourself. Yeah. And the easiest picture I can paint for people who may not be there yet is in my market, I can buy investment houses for about $100,000 a piece, right? So say I want to buy one every single month, it's $1.2 million in a year, and that's 12 different deals I had to go get. Yes. Or I go buy one warehouse for $1.2 million and it's a different animal and I might have to learn some things, but I put my energy into this. There was one closing, one set of closing costs, one set of risks to mitigate, um, and you you just don't you just don't have to beat yourself up so much. And so like we talked about freedom before, like that's why I'm moving this way because if I want to do more rental, more investment, more passive income, it's going to be exhausting. To like if I'm going to double those 50 doors, I don't want to go buy 50 more houses. I just want to go buy two or three more commercial buildings. Yep. Awesome. Good stuff. I want to I want to come back to the freedom question a little bit later, but yep. you're also doing business acquisitions and really building up your cash flow. I am very interested in learning more about that. What, what does that all involve? Yeah, absolutely. So um, about, well, I quit my job in 22, summer of 22. Shortly thereafter, um, I have a partner who I do these warehouses and commercial um, investments with, and he's always wanted to own his own business or acquire a business. Um, and he also left his job in 22. Um, our investments were going really well. We didn't have to go buy a business or anything like that. But if you know investment real estate, it's slow. Like it is a slow game. It's a magic game that's really, really powerful. And once the flywheel gets spinning. Yep. But when it comes to business acquisitions or, you know, either starting up or acquiring existing um, businesses, it can it can grow and spin off cash notably, notably faster. Like what you can accomplish in one to two to three years is staggering. Um, and so that was kind of the premise um, behind why we got into it. Again, he had an engineering background. Um, so super sharp when it came to manufacturing and processes and things like that. And my history was raising lots of private money. I'd been in leadership at the hospital for 15 years, building small teams for 15 years. And so we went to go look for businesses to buy and we did. Awesome. Yeah. You mentioned that the cash on cash return of buying businesses. What are some of the different pros and cons of real estate in general versus business acquisitions or building a business? If I'm sure we have listeners, the real, the Molar real estate in business podcast thinking about both, by the way, I'm an advocate for entrepreneurs. So I think both are great. It doesn't just have to be real estate, but yep. what are the pros and cons if you compared the two? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a fantastic question because they're wildly different animals. I mean, night and day, everything's different. So on the real estate side, tons of tax benefits. Um, it's a very slow game. Um, if you like things to be passive, you can, I don't want to say set it and forget it, but you can hire managers. You can like, you can really go anywhere in the world that you want, manage it from a distance. It's a great passive investment tool on the business acquisition side. You can build a team to help you remain free and, you know, just set expectations and run from a distance. But it, more than likely, you are going to be involved in a way that's greater than uh, your investment real estate. So that's the first thing I would tell people is um, it's not nearly as passive from an energy um, standpoint. It's going to be taxed more heavily um, because it's, you know, just the, the many different ways that um, 
they come after entrepreneurs and business owners. You don't have all the paper and passive losses that yep. you do on the the real estate side. Um, there are some, but just different. Um, and it's just a completely different risk profile that you really have to measure. You know, like if like we we can talk about the business we bought if if we want to, but it's in manufacturing, right? And we have a lot of specialty machines. If I lose those machine operators, they're very hard to find. Yep. And I could really be dead in the water pretty quick on some of that stuff if I don't have some contingency plans. Those are things you don't have to worry about in the real estate space. So it's the first real question is what understanding the risk profile and then where do you want your time and energy to go? Yep, that's awesome. And honestly, what's really interesting is you, you mentioned things that the pros and cons that complement each other quite well. So on one hand, you have you know, the, the tax benefits of business aren't as good as real estate, but you have real estate to au- probably offset some of that tax burden that you may get from it. Or the cash flow in real estate, maybe not the cash on cash return isn't as high in real estate as it is business. The equity growth long term, I'm guessing that depends on the business and whether I'm assuming business, just like real estate, you can value add and build the value of the business, whether you want to sell or not, you can build the equity in the business like real estate. Is that true? It is absolutely true. And you're, you're absolutely right that they complement each other. It really is left hand, right hand. And we're focused this way with business acquisition. We can grow and scale and it's rapid and it's quick, highly taxed, but we're going to take that those dollars and then hide them in tax advantaged buy and hold commercial real estate. And that's where I think for business owners, so if I talk to the business owners, maybe people that already have a business, that's the, if, if your focus is business, that's great. But real estate can complement your business as well. If you know what you're doing, partner with the right person, who, whatever it may be, if you don't have the time, find someone that has the time. But real estate can complement business or business can complement real estate in your case because real estate was first for you. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, if you're a business person and you don't know the first thing about real estate, find someone like you or like me that we bring investors in and we go put their money to work so that they can focus on their highest and best use of their time and energies. Um, it's it's powerful when you use the two of them in tandem with each other. Yeah, that's really, that's really uh, fantastic stuff right there. So I saw a post from you on Facebook recently I wanted to ask you about. So it, it seems like you've been... Um, building out your vision, kind of core values, core principles. Tell me, I I saw the post, we kind of joked about it, but I read that in 30 seconds or less. Is that what it took to build that or what did that process look like? Yeah, I I wish it had been as easy as 30 seconds to get um, high level clarity for for what my life needs to be. But no, it's, (laughs) it's, it's been a journey. I think, you know, we kind of come to the end of each year and you set new goals for the next year. And, you know, for those of us who are overachievers and type A crazy people, like we're very used to setting goals. And I think you're talking about you, not me, right, Drew? Yeah. The, the collective we is, okay. We'll leave you out of that. Cause I'm I'm sure you're, you're above such things. Um, We, um, I'd gotten very good at like, setting a goal like in a bubble, right? I want to go from X to Y by this time, right? I want a million in revenue to go to 2 million in revenue by the end of the year, right? That's a simple goal. It's measurable. It's challenging. Okay. But why, why is that my goal? Like, do I need that extra million? I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. So I've been in this season. That's probably been at least two months of really like, I've been writing all my goals out, but like, why, why do I want that? So 
I hang a lot on, uh, around a lot of people who um, I really respect. And I see some of these people who they know who they are at their core, right? Like their core values. And so a couple months ago, I started out with an exercise to really define, you know, what are my core values and not a hard exercise, but they came down to five things. And for me, they're freedom, well-being, abundance, growth, and time. And that became kind of the foundation upon which I started building my vision, my goals, and my habits. The vision is the picture of the life that I want. And then every goal that I write needs to facilitate the vision. Yep. Once I have the goals, now this is the part I'm working on. I don't have dialed in yet is all the habits, the daily habits. Yep. Um, and so that that's been the real big shift for me is vision, the goals, and then the daily habits. Man, the, the the comment about building your goals in a bubble and not maybe being always in alignment with your core focus of what you really want to be and have or do, whatever that looks like. But yeah. just that alignment and asking the question, okay, here's my goal, but why is it? And I think that's yeah. why whatever area of life it is, starting with your purpose and your why within that area, if that's family, if that's faith, if that's business, if that's health, like why are, why do you want to be healthy? Yeah. That will lead to like, that should be the foundation before you set the goals. And it sounds like you were setting goals, but asking why, which kind of brought you to your high level vision and focus. Yeah. Well, let me give you a perfect example. Like I'll make up numbers. These aren't the real numbers, but say that your net worth is 5 million and you have a goal that you want to get to 7 million in the next year. Okay. That's a wonderful goal. But if my goal is to be able to take my wife on a three day vacation every 60 days, maybe that equity, maybe that, maybe that balance sheet helps me do that. But that is not a, that doesn't, I can, I can gain that $7 million net worth and never take my wife where we want to go. Yep. Right? So that goal does not directly impact. It might indirectly, but what I need is a goal to say, no, Amber and I are going to sit down and we're going to map out the weekends that we're going to go and we're going to pick eight different cities and like, you know, like set goals around that true piece of the vision that needs to come to fruition. And if that's the priority, if if the if investing in your relationship and family is the priority and that's the that's the core goal or core focus, then everything else should support that. Or because you might, you might, what I'm hearing is you might set financial goals that could help pay for that, but they're also going to distract you from the time and ability to do that. So I think that's why starting with, again, your, your core areas of life, you want goals around and what is your purpose and then build the goals from that is so important because they also can conflict with each other so much. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about my core principles, right? One of them is time, right? Well, it, what one example of time is like, I want time with Amber. I want to go do things with Amber, right? Well, if my journey from 5 million net worth to seven takes away from the time that I'd like to have with Amber and I'm spending all that time building or scaling or like doing the hustle, right? Yep. That doesn't get me closer. That's not in alignment with my core principles, you know, so it's been it's been fascinating to build these goals with these core principles in mind. 
Yep. It's just, I, it's a whole different thing. And I think continuing to ask the question why is such a good, like if you if there's a lot to take away from this, but if you just keep asking the question, why do I want this goal? And is it like, is it really at the core important is just a great approach to it. So love yeah. it. All right. I want to ask about this degrees of freedom. So you're talking about all your single family rentals. You're talking about commercial triple net leases. You're talking about buying businesses and repositioning them for cash flow, which is a lot of time and energy, as you said, but one of your core values, I think it's a core value of yours, is mm-hmm. freedom and time freedom and just degrees of freedom. What, is, what does that even mean first? What, like, how do you define degrees of freedom? Yeah, so it's a great question. And you're right. It is one of the five um, core values that I identified. And um, as I was writing out my vision, I was trying to kind of paint a, a, a verbal picture of like, well, how does that play out? What does that look like? Well, I want to have the freedom to get up on any given day and drive my car to the hangar where my airplane is so that I can fly any, and I don't own an airplane yet. That's, that's, that's on the vision board as well. But, um, you know, I just want to be able to go and do right. Um, now, like I'm sitting in my office that I own that I purchased, I don't have a boss telling me, Hey, we've got a meeting at eight 30, make sure that you're here and prepared. Right. That's freedom. If my daughter's school calls right now, I'm going to say, Phil, I'm sorry, I have to leave because I'm going to go take care of that, right? These are the ever-increasing degrees of freedom yep. that really resonate with me. And I don't know that that's a universal truth for everyone. I think some people really love going to their W-2 and they love having the structure of that meeting. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But for me, to meet my potential, to operate at my fullest um, potential and and to really be fulfilled – ever increasing degrees of freedom is, is a big deal. And I think as I go through month by month, year by year, like what that really means continues to evolve. I'm sure as my kids start having kids, that'll look different as maybe my kids move out and across the country or wherever they go, that'll change. Maybe as my parents age and they need more attention, maybe those degrees of freedom just take on a different meaning. But, um, it just, it resonates deeply with me now and it just helps to guide me with what's my true North. Um, yep. so I don't know if that answers your question, but it, that's, that's how I'm using it. That's how it's manifesting. Yeah. By the way, first in my intro, I forgot to say that you are the flying investor. Uh, I, what the heck is that? And it terrifies yeah. me for, for the audience. I saw one of these things at a park two years ago and I'm like, what in the, heck is that guy doing it wasn't yeah. you but tell so, me and make sure you tell me your little uh your mechanism yeah, so I fly paramotors, right that's what you're looking for you're looking for paramotors right and these are the the psychopaths that have the uh like the parachute above them people would normal people would call it a parachute and you strap a fan to your back um you know start it up and you run up into the sky and um, most people float around and just kind of take in the scenery, which is magical. Um, I do a lot of aerobatics and um, kind of high performance stuff. So the last five or six years, that's been my my hook on Instagram. You'll find me at The Flying Investor. Yep. Um, but just in the last couple of months, I've started studying for my general aviation and, and private pilot's license. Um, I, I passed a written exam yesterday. I'm pretty fired up about so. Um, we'll try to start the the actual training and racking up hours on an airplane here in the weeks to come. Uh, that is good stuff. Do not invite me to go in those, especially if you're doing your tricks. I've seen it. By the way, the name of your fan is oh. 
Yeah, yeah. Betty the Butt fan. Yeah, there's right. hashtags and everything. So okay. you jump on Facebook and you hashtag Betty the Butt fan. You will see six years worth of adventures. Sorry for the distraction. I had to go there, but I want to come back to degrees of freedom. Yeah. So you talked about what that means and, and let, what you want it to look like. But you're also running, I would argue, three different businesses. I mentioned them earlier. So how yeah. do you do that when you're running three different businesses? Yeah. So there's, like you said, there's, there's three things, right? My rental, um, the single family rentals, I have four different managers that all take care of different asset classes. Some of them are short-term, medium-term rentals. Um, some of them are high-end properties. Some of them are low-end properties. And each manager kind of has their niche. Um, and that way, if one of those managers just you know, shuts their doors and closes up shop, then I'm not left out in the cold. Yep. Not completely out in the cold. Um, so that has really been farmed out. And that's the, that's the only reason I still have it. Like if they all came back to me, they'd be for sale immediately. And I'd go buy a commercial with them. Those are third party, third party management. companies. Yes. Yeah. Not in house. Not yep. at all. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then, uh, then the commercial properties, when you get to triple net, there's not like no one flushes a diaper at two in the morning. Right. <laughs> Um, because they're businesses, you know, they all go home and if they have a problem, like you only hear about it, if it's flood or blood or fire, like that's, that's you until it's time to renew a lease or, you know, something just really wild happens. Like we, we will go eight months, 12, eight, you know, 18 months without hearing from these tenants, they just pay. So it's once you acquire it and stabilize it, um, you're good to go. Now, the businesses then are much more energy intense. Yep. And I think just on triple net, I don't know, I don't know commercial buildings well, or especially industrial or warehouse buildings. I think for people that if there's listeners that understand the real estate, like the buildings and the infrastructure behind that, or have connections to who might be able to lease those things, I think triple net commercial could be a really interesting investment opportunity for a lot of business owners. If they, if they're in or are like connected to that space or have networks of people in that space. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, and it flies under the radar too, because like I used to do flips and also, and it shows really well on social media and the before and after and all this, but when it's just a big empty metal building, like there's nothing sexy about that, right? Like I can put it on Instagram, but people are, people are way more enamored with a tile shower than they are a $3 million warehouse building. That's going to make way more money and is way more stable and all of that. So it's, you just don't see and hear about it nearly as much. Yep. I love it. Well, I want to shift gears, just ask you a couple of questions, kind of quick questions, you know, fire from the hip. We can see where this takes us, but what are like, if you were to define a factor of success uh, over the last several years, that's kind of got you to where you are or this factor of success that I think it'll, you think it'll take you to get to the next level. What would that be? Um, there are a number of things I could speak to for the sake of a fire round question. I would say networking, with people who are doing the things you want to do. Cause whether I have, I know I have the potential to do anything that I want, but until I see someone and ask them to hold me accountable to pushing me forward and helping to tease that out, that might be lying dormant in me. Um, it can be tough to see that in yourself and develop it. So surrounding yourself with the people who are at the places you want to go, or at least are, are admirable. Yep. And I think, I, I think seeing people like, a lot of times you have an idea of where you want to go, but you don't know what you don't know. And if you yeah. see people doing yeah. it, all of a sudden, you know, someone that knows it can accelerate it so much. You can see that it's possible and better yet, if they'll mentor you in some way or just help you a little bit, 
uh, yep. that can be really powerful. So I love that networking association is so important for sure. Um, what is a personal habit that you're working on getting better at right now? Honestly, you know, we had talked about vision, goals, habits. Um, I need to here in the next two, three weeks, I will build out all of the daily habits. Like if I want to lose X amount of pounds by this date or, or whatever, like if I just follow my macros, take this many steps, this many gym visits per week, things like that. So building out those habits and most of these things I'm doing anyway, but yep. now I'm going to track and hold myself accountable to that. Um, that's, that's kind of the new, um, kind of daily habit kind of, you know, like I journal, sometimes I do my devotions and prayer and things like that. Going to try to incorporate that into it and see how that works. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. My number one goal for this year was to track my habits. So I, you know, similar, I think some habits really dialed in some, not as much, but my number one goal was track them and basically put a system or process in place for myself to hold myself accountable. Yeah. And since probably December 1st or so. So I started as I was building my goals, I started it and I've been, you know, 60 days in and coincidentally or not, my habits have been way better for the last 60 days than they were prior to that because I'm just tracking it and I have a system or process to hold my, myself accountable. The book Atomic Habits talks about yep. that. Yep. So, yeah. Measuring is a game changer. Like it's, we're both driven guys. We're going to get the job done one way or another, but when you're tracking it, it's just different. Yep. And when, he, when you get to hit the check mark, there's like a dopamine hit, like, okay, productive mm -hmm. day. I got it done. That's right. Um, what is your favorite business or real estate book? It's a great question. Um, I probably once a year, I'll go back and read the one thing by Gary Keller. Yeah. Um, and it's not even that it's super specific to any, any um, industry or niche. It's just more about asking yourself the high level question. Like, what's the one thing that if I do, everything else gets easier? Um, and I forget to ask myself that like on a regular basis. Um, it's such a good book. It's, there's much more to it than just that. You do need to read the book to get the, the value out of it, but it's great. And I, th I mean, that is, that is such a good book for again, I'll go back to different areas of life and like biz business owners, business leaders, real estate investors, maybe you need to just focus on acquisitions or maybe you'd need to just focus on your team and hiring the right talent or, Hey, there's not clarity on our company and where it's going. So maybe it's just, I need to build a vision, but what is the one thing that then everything else starts to fall in place because you did it. So fantastic well, book. Yeah. Even, even on the personal front, I mean, what's the one thing I need to do to dial in my relationship with that one kid that I just struggle to connect with. Yep. Right. Like, I mean, it, it's applicable across life, business, like everything. Highly recommend that book. Awesome one. Um, favorite personal development book. Um, how to win friends and, Oh, what is it? How to win friends and influence people. There you go. There you go. It's Classic. that lesson. Like it should just be natural to know how to treat people well. Um, and I think for some people it really is, but there's some people who really struggle with it, whether you're good at it, bad at it, that book just highlights how powerful you can be. Even if you don't feel like a powerful person, like to be able to walk into the room and help people just to connect with people. And whether you're trying to grow yourself, your own business, or just love on people and build relationships, like magical book. Every time I go through you, it, you know what I just thought of that's interesting is you can be a really good person but have some bad habits or tendencies or approaches to people that might turn them off versus if you mm -hmm. study this stuff and put in different ways just to build a relationship from that, a book like that, I think it'll, it'll compound 
the clarity that you're a good person, right? It'll, it'll show that in more ways. So I think, I think building skill around this stuff is really important. Like it's just, just being a good person is a great thing, but you can build skill around this stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you read the title and say how to win friends. And, oh, I've got enough friends. I don't need it. No, 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 no. This is how to really how to connect with people on multiple levels, whether you're selling, whether you're just living in the same society as that. Like it's just, it's magical stuff. Yep. It's a classic for sure. Well, we could go on for a long time, Drew, but I want to keep this to about 40 minutes or so. So I think we're right at that. Uh, how can people, if they want to learn more about you or just connect with you, how could people find out more about you? Yeah. I, so reach out anytime. Um, I'm on Instagram at, at the flying investor, or you can just search my name, Drew Wired on Facebook. Um, those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Perfect. Well, I appreciate it. This has been amazing, Drew. A lot of just great nuggets in here that are both, I think, real estate investors beginning or more advanced. I think business owners can take away from it. I think anyone that just is trying to improve on habits or whatever it might be, there's just a lot of takeaways here. So I really appreciate it. You brought a lot of value today. So thank you for that. Uh, again, thanks for, thanks for all the early listeners that we've had. I really appreciate it. If you can spread the word, if, if you think just the habit discussion we had or the business discussion we had could help someone out. So thank you. And for, with that, this is the Mueller Real Estate and Business Podcast signing off. Thank you for listening to the Mole Real Estate and Business Podcast. We hope you found today's episode helpful. If you know current or aspiring investors or entrepreneurs or anyone that would benefit from today's episode, we appreciate you sharing it with them or better yet, providing us a five-star review. To learn more about Moeller Real Estate, visit our website at www.moellerre.com. You can also sign up for our newsletter or local events via our website. In closing, I encourage you to be purposeful in all areas of life, educate yourself, network with others that have been successful, take action and lead. Thank you.